0: Chapter 84 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roger Moline. Varney the Vampire, Volume 2. By Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 84. THE EXCITED populace, THE PLACE OF REFUGE. There seemed now a complete lull in the proceedings as connected with Varney, the vampire. We have reason to believe that the executioner, who had been as solicitous as Varney to obtain undisputed possession of Bannerworth Hall, has fallen victim to the indiscriminate rage of the mob. Varney himself is a fugitive and bound by the most solemn ties to charles holland not only to communicate to him such particulars of the past as will bring satisfaction to his mind but to abstain from any act which for the future shall exercise a disastrous influence upon the happiness of flora the doctor and the admiral with henry had betaken themselves from the hall as we had recorded and in due time reached the cottage where Flora and her mother had found a temporary refuge. Mrs. Bannerworth was up, but Flora was sleeping, and although the tidings they had to tell were of a curious and mixed nature, they would not have her disturbed to listen to them. And likewise they were rather pleased than otherwise, since they knew not exactly what had become of Charles Holland, to think that they would probably be spared the necessity of saying they could not account for his absence that he had gone upon some expedition probably dangerous and so one which he did not wish to communicate the particulars of to his friends lest they should make a strong attempt to dissuade him from it they were induced to believe but yet they had that confidence in his courage and active intellectual resources to believe that he would come through it unscathed and probably shortly show himself at the cottage. In this hope they were not disappointed, for in about two hours Charles made his appearance, but until he began to be questioned concerning his absence by the admiral, he scarcely considered the kind of dilemma he had put himself into by the promise of secrecy he had given to Varney, and was a little puzzled to think how much he might tell and how much he was bound in honor to conceal. "'Avast there!' cried the Admiral. "'What becomes of your tongue, Charles? "'You've been on some cruise, I'll be bound. Haul over the ship's books and tell us what's happened.' "'I have been upon an adventure,' said Charles, "'which I hope will be productive of beneficial results to us all. "'But the fact is I have made a promise, perhaps incautiously, that I will not communicate what I know. Phew! said the Admiral. That's awkward. But, however, if a man sails under sealed instructions, there's an end of it. I remember when I was off Candia once. Ha! interposed Jack. That was the time you tumbled over the blessed binnacle, all in consequence of taking too much Madeira. I remember it, too. It's an out-and-out good story, that air. "'You took a rope's end, you know, and laid into the bowsprit. "'And says you, get up, you lubber, says you, all the while a-thinkin', I suppose, "'as it was Long Jack Ingram, the carpenter's mate, layin' asleep. "'What a lark!' "'This scoundrel will be the death of me,' said the admiral. "'There isn't one word of truth in what he says. "'I never got drunk in all my life, as everybody knows.' "'Jack, affairs are getting serious between you and I. "'We must part, and for good. "'It's a good many times that I've told you "'you forgot the difference between the quarter-deck and the caboose. "'Now, I'm serious. "'You're off the ship's books, and there's an end of you.' "'Very good,' said Jack. "'I'm willin'. "'I'll leave you. "'Do you think I want to keep you any longer?' "'Good-bye, old bloke. "'I'll leave you to repent.' AND WHEN OLD GRIM DEATH COMES YARD ARM WITH YOU, AND YOU CAN'T SHAKE OFF HIS BOARDING TACKLE, YOU'LL SAY, WHERE'S JACK PRINGLE, SAYS YOU, AND THEN, WHAT'S HIS NAME, OH, UH, ECHO, YOU CALL IT, ECHO'LL SAY, Is DAMNED IF IT KNOWS. JACK TURNED UPON HIS HEEL, AND BEFORE THE ADMIRAL COULD MAKE ANY REPLY, HE LEFT THE PLACE. WHAT'S THE rascal UP TO NOW, SAID THE ADMIRAL. I really didn't think he'd have taken me at my word. Oh, then after all, you didn't mean it, Uncle," said Charles. What's that to you, you lover, whether I mean it or not, you shore-going squab? Of course I expect everybody to desert an old hulk, rats and all. And now Jack Pringle's gone. The vagabond. Couldn't he stay and get drunk as long as he liked? Didn't he say what he pleased and do what he pleased, the mutinous thief? Didn't he say I run away from a Frenchman off Cape Ushant, and didn't I put up with that? But, my dear uncle, you sent him away yourself. I didn't, and you know I didn't. But I see how it is. You've disgusted Jack among you. A better seaman never trod the deck of a man o' war. But his drunkenness, uncle... It's a lie. I don't believe he ever got drunk. I believe you all invented it, and Jack so good-natured he tumbled about just to keep you in countenance. But his insolence, Uncle, his gross insolence towards you, his inventions, his exaggerations of the truth. Avast there, avast there. None of that, Master Charlie. Jack couldn't do anything of the sort, and I means to say this that if Jack was here now, I'd stick up for him and say he was a good seaman. "'Tip us your fin, then,' said Jack, darting into the room. "'Do you think I'd leave you, you damn old fool? What would become of you, I wonder, if I wasn't to take you in to dry nurse?' "'Why, you blessed old babby, what do you mean by it?' "'Jack, you villain!' "'Ah!' Go on and call me a villain as much as you like. Don't you remember when the bullets were scuttling our knobs? I do, I do, Jack. Tip us your fin, old fellow. You've saved my life more than once. It's a lie. It ain't. You did, I say. You be damned. And thus was the most serious misunderstanding that these two worthies ever had together made up. The real fact is that the Admiral could as little do without Jack as he could have done without food, and as for Pringle, he no more thought of leaving the old Commodore than of, what shall we say, forswearing rum. Jack himself could not have taken a stronger oath. But the old Admiral had suffered so much from the idea that Jack had actually left him, that although he abused him as usual often enough, He never again talked of taking him off the ship's books, and to the credit of Jack be it spoken, he took no advantage of the circumstance, and only got drunk just as usual and called his master an old fool whenever it suited him. End of chapter eighty four. Recording by Roger Moline.